You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hi everyone, my name is Frank Rock and welcome to the From the Hack Curling Podcast. On this week's episode, the focus is on the recently completed Points Bet Invitational in Fredericton, including two players who played on the championship teams in Fredericton and another who still enjoyed the event even though she traveled across the country to play in one single game. Hello everyone, as mentioned in the intro, the focus of this week's podcast is the recently completed Points Bet Invitational in Fredericton. We start with Carly Burgess and Reed Carruthers, who were part of the winning teams in Fredericton, and then you will hear my chat with Chelsea Carey, who remained supportive of the single elimination format, even though she traveled across the country to play one single game. My first guest this week is Carly Burgess, the third for Team Jennifer Jones. Carly joins me to discuss her team's big win at the event in Fredericton. We also discuss her team's great start to the season and also what it was like receiving that call from Jennifer Jones this past summer. So, Carly, most people that follow curling relatively closely will know that you are originally from Nova Scotia, so I can't start this interview without asking if your family was impacted by Hurricane Fiona, which hit the Maritimes very hard while you were in Fredericton uh, competing in the Points Bet Invitational last weekend. Yeah, no, um, I'm very fortunate. My uh, our family, or my family around here in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, uh, not too much damage, so we're very lucky. We have some trees down in our yard. Our fence came down, but my dad uh, came home early from Fredericton to clean up the yard and uh, make sure that there wasn't anything outside that could cause damage to our house. So we're very lucky. I know the town of Churro, there's some trees down, and a lot of people still don't have power. Not really sure how our house was able to get power back so quick, but I do have power, so that's nice. And um, it, it is crazy to, and I see some of the photos on social media and stuff. And I'm very grateful for what I have and and here in Nova Scotia. But I know there's so many families and people that have been hit so hard. It's it's honestly crazy. It is really crazy. So tell me what it's like uh, winning the points bet invitational. It had to feel good to perform so well at an event where there was really no second chances. No, I know it's uh, it was it's a very interesting event, but uh, we went in and we knew it was a single knockout event, and it's just so early in the season. You never know what's going to happen, or the ice conditions, like anything in a one game, um, in a single knockout event, like anything can happen. But we kind of just. Uh, we won that first one, even though it was against the hometown crowd. And then we kind of just kept rallying after that win. And then next thing you know, we found ourselves in the final. And I think we played our best game in the final. So, um, yeah, no, it's a really exciting week and a, a very interesting format for sure. I want to follow up on something you just said there, Carly. Teams usually have a little bit of wiggle room uh, to find their format events, whether it's a round robin or a triple knockout, where an early loss is not the end of the world. In this format, you really had no um, no way, no wiggle room, so you really had to hit the ice running, as it were. Did your team prepare differently or change the way you would otherwise approach the first game of an event if it weren't single elimination? For our team, honestly, not really. We didn't go in any different than we would in any other spiel. We made sure we had a great team conversation before hitting the ice about the rocks, about the ice, and um, and how we were going to communicate it. Honestly, during the game, it 
kind of went out of my mind that it was a single knockout event. We just kind of played our game and made sure we were communicating and all the work we put in this summer to help us feel relaxed in these games, I think has really helped. And, um, and the amount of times we've already played together really helped our communication. So we didn't go about any, any differently. Um, but I guess like after the game, we were like, oh my gosh, it was a single knockout event. We could have went home. And just because seeing people like pack up their stuff and, and leave, it, it kind of hit me after the game rather than um, during or before. Um, I just, as a team, we just went in there and playing relaxed. And yeah, no, it was a great week. And we try to just have fun with it. It's a very unusual event um, for any of us and many people that have played in in it. It was uh, very different. So the biggest thing for us is just have fun and played relaxed. So Carly, typically when you're one of the higher seeds at an event like this, your first matchup tends to be a little bit easier. Yet your team not only drew the hometown favorites, but a team that made the playoffs at the Scotties last year in Team Kelly of New Brunswick. When you first saw the schedule uh, for the Points Bet Invitational, was there a part of you that thought, geez, we really didn't get the easy part of the draw on this one? No, I know you are all thinking, oh my gosh, we have a hard game in our first, uh, in our first draw. And, and like you said, like first draw, it takes a couple games to get, to get into it. So, um, yeah, we honestly just had to go in there playing our best because they are a great team and, and I'm sure we'll see them again. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was a little unfortunate knowing that we're playing a, a really good team first off. And, but, uh, honestly, like I said, we, we just kind of had to enjoy the moment. It's something we've never done before. You know, like, I don't know, maybe playing Andrea Kelly in the first game helped us, helped us uh, win the next couple of games. Cause it wasn't an easy first game. We kind of had to pick up on the ice fast. Yeah, that's a good point, Carly. Uh, when you're facing a tough team in the first game of a single elimination event, it probably makes you focus a lot more in that first game than you might if you were playing a team that you're heavily favored to defeat. 100%. And um, I don't think it was our sharpest game by any means. Um, but also Andrea Kelly and her team played well. So there was times that we we needed to make a shot or she didn't give us many chances. So I think playing her in her first game ultimately probably did help us in the long run uh, moving forward and playing those other three strong teams after that. So how was it playing the hometown favorites in that first round? The, the crowd sure seemed to be into it. It was loud. It was very loud uh, for, for her. And it's also, I like the crowd. I like to hear everything just because we've played in the bubble the last two years um not having a lot of noise in the background so no matter if it was against us or or whatnot it was kind of fun to play with a nice loud big crowd so it was nice when your teammate Mackenzie Zacharias was on the podcast a few weeks ago, she told me that you had yet to finalize what the lineup would be for your team. In Fredericton, it was uh, Jen Jones at skip while you were playing third, and Mackenzie throwing second and holding the broom for Jen. Will that be the lineup from now on, or is it still a work in progress? Um, that's a great question. Honestly, we're all trying to... We're a five-man team, and everyone on the team deserves to be there. So we are actually having more of a rotational than um, you might see. So I know Emily sat this weekend, but she'll be playing in, actually we're heading to the Stew Cells Toronto Tankard. So she'll be playing there and she'll be playing um, most, if not all games at the Slam. So we're kind of a, more of a rotational team than you might think, but um, we're all flexible and want the best for each other. So right now we don't have a firm lineup, but um, I think 
Um, for the most part, I will be third and Mac will be second. Emily be joining in a second. Sometimes I'm more in an M switching at lead. So we're flexible. And honestly, we all have other jobs or life. And Jen, with her two kids, she may not get to every event. And Mac and I are both working and M and Lauren are in school. So, um, and if someone's sick, we have a five-man team and we're all flexible to um, play any position. So we don't have a firm lineup, but um, like in this event that we just played, a single knockout event, it's kind of hard to rotate when you only have four games and every game is a sudden death. So we just kept the, the lineup the same to get uh, more confident moving forward. So when I was speaking with Mackenzie a few weeks ago, she mentioned that Jen had reached out to you over the summer to see what your plans were for the coming season. Tell me about getting a call from arguably the best women's curler ever to gauge your interest in joining forces with her. Yeah, and it it kind of threw me off guard because I just get a phone call one night and it's Jennifer Jones. And um, she just honestly called me for a quick chat to see where my head was at and what my team was doing or what I was looking looking at doing and at that point like I thought what I had with the four girls was um really good and I thought we could be even better in four years for the Olympic trials so I wasn't looking and nobody else on the team were looking for anything else than what we have and um but then when you have the best of all time call you it's kind of hard not to say to say no to what she has to offer and I kind of pitched to Jen a little bit if she would come on board with the team that I have now and she was open to that and then I had a few another conversation with her just seeing the logistics of it all and ended up having a conversation with the team and um yeah curling with Jennifer Jones you just it's it's an amazing opportunity and learning from the best is will just help us in our game moving forward so we were all really excited and um honestly it's been it's been really great working with her so far You've now played four events as a team with Jen Jones uh, winning twice and reaching the playoffs each time. Were you anticipating success this early or were you anticipating more of a learning curve as Jen got used to your team and you got used to her? Uh, yes and no. I I think one of the biggest things that we've, a challenge that we've went through is the communication on the ice. That has really ch- been a challenge for us, but I think by playing early, um, playing the end of August and early September and all those spiels that have really helped us. And we've been on the ice all summer um, training when Jen would come into Winnipeg and she was able to see us through the rock, work on our technical things like that. So I necessarily didn't see us to be this successful, but so early, but um, I think that all the hard work we've done in the summer and early on to play as many games as we can to just get that communication and the feel for each other on the ice um, has really paid off. And um, it's a good feeling knowing that all that work we've done, it's really rewarding. But again, I didn't think we would win two of the biggest spiels so far in this season so early. So um, it is pretty, it is pretty neat to see our new team do so well so early. So Carly, you've obviously gotten to know Jen more than you already did since joining forces. Can you share something about her that may have surprised you in a good way? For sure. The the one thing that sticks out the most is um, she's still curling because she just loved the, loves the game so much. She, every time we go out there, like she always reminds us, let's just have fun. Like it's, it's a curling game. Like let's enjoy it. So honestly, she's always been so competitive and, and wanting 
wanting to be the best. But honestly, the biggest thing for me is she just loves the game and she just wants to stay in the game because she, she has so much fun doing it. So I think the biggest thing for me is putting it in perspective. She has a family um, and, and she takes time off away from her family just to, to play curling because she just loves it. And it brings her so much joy in life. So at the end of the day, like for me, it just reminds me that like, I love the sport, but it's just, just have fun. And, and um, yeah, don't like, don't try too hard. She just loves the game. And finally, Carly, your team is now headed to the Stu Cells event in Toronto. It will be your fifth event in what has been a very busy start to the season for your team. Is the busy schedule mostly so that you can gel as a unit? Or is it also to accumulate points with slam season starting shortly? Uh, yeah, a little bit of both. We definitely wanted to get some points early to allow us to qualify for um, some of the slams, if not all. And then, um, yeah, with a new team, just getting many as many reps and games in as possible will just uh, help us in the long run. So it was a little bit of both. And then actually um, this weekend, Jen is playing mixed doubles with Brent. So she'll not, she won't be playing uh, most of the event this weekend. So it'll be back to Max skipping. Um, and then the, the, the normal team Zach lineup, but um, she might come watch or come watch this weekend. If she has a draw off or maybe play one game, if she's around, but other than that, she'll be playing mixed doubles with Brent. So this will give us our, our opportunity to go back to the team Zach with Max skipping as well. So, um, and, and that's one thing with Jen, like she, she doesn't, she doesn't want to overstep on what we already have. Um, she wants to curl with us cause she loves the game, but at the end of the day, like, she knows the four of us in the long run will hopefully stay together for um, a few more years after whenever Jen retires. But um, yeah, and she, she wants to see us um, still, s- still keep that same unit going forward. So it allows the four of us to play again. My next guest this week is Reed Carruthers, who led his team to the men's championship in Fredericton. Reed joined me to discuss his team's big win. We also discuss his new lineup and also look back at his partnership with Mike McEwen during the last Olympic cycle. So Reed, Hurricane Fiona was on the minds of most Canadians last weekend, especially those living in the Maritimes. Now, I realize that the storm did not really have any direct impact on those of you competing in Fredericton, but I'm wondering if you can share whether the storm was top of mind at the venue and among the players. And were were you made aware of any contingency plans should the storm veer towards the Fredericton area? Uh, yeah, it was just, it was one of those things where we were kind of monitoring it, but, you know, I didn't hear of any contingency plans. I'm sure there were some. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're just out there living the moment and, and, and enjoying it. You know, we've been, we've all been through a lot over, uh, over the last, uh, three, four years. So, um, you know, the hur- hurricane was something that was concerning, but you know, it wasn't overwhelming. So tell me about winning the points uh, bet invitational uh, read. It certainly seemed like your team found its groove early in the event and you were able to build from there. Yeah, like we were playing a, a really good Manitoba team in Calvert, and you know, I was I was definitely a little bit nervous about flying all the way to Fredericton and playing a good team first game. Uh, the thoughts the thoughts of going uh, and losing one game and heading home is obviously makes the game worth more. But uh, we had a really solid effort in that game. Uh, the score was obviously closer than the scoreboard indicated. We, you know, we it was back and forth, especially early uh in the game and then you know we we put some pressure on them in the second half and and got off to a good start but uh yeah it's 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 a different feeling playing in a single elimination event that's for sure 
You just provided me with a great segue to my next question, Reed. Did you approach the event any differently because there was really no room to have a bad game like you can in a round-robin or a triple knockout event? Or did you approach the same as you would have done had it been a round-robin or triple knockout? Um, honestly, we we I, it had the wild-card game feel to it, which, you know, I've, I've played in one of those before. And I don't think that that experience hurt us at all, um, being in that game and having that, that feel to it um yeah you know sometimes like I, I was definitely feeling jittery but sometimes that's when you play your best so uh you know when you have have those nerves and once you get into the game they kind of subside and off you go but uh yeah it's it's inter- it is definitely interesting so uh reed I'm, I'm guessing that you and your teammates are okay with the single elimination format having just won the event in fredericton but i'm curious to know if it's a format that you would like to see more often on tour or is the one time per season enough um we yeah, have one time a season is probably enough uh you know i'm not i'm I'm not opposed to it uh i thought i thought the event was great it it's it was something different and unique uh and you know props to curl in canada for giving this a go and obviously uh points bet for uh for fronting uh the dollars for us to be able to play for some some big money early in the season it's uh we're very very fortunate um you know and to have tsn to cover it for sure there was a time a generation or so ago, Reed, where teams could play in big cash spiels on a regular basis, with, which is not the case anymore, with teams having to qualify for slams and now the points bet invitational to have access to large money pools. Is that frustrating for players of your generation, or have you simply adjusted by pursuing additional revenue streams? Yeah, but like at the same time, though, curling's evolved. Like we, we have great TV coverage. Um you know, we're, we're on multiple networks and we have streaming avenues. Uh, and, and I, I have to say that the, the dollar amounts that the teams get sponsorship wise, like it's, it's all kind of translatable, you know, it's, it's just, it comes from, comes from different avenues. Um, but yeah, like this week alone, you know, we're fortunate to be able to play on TV with, with our, you know, sponsored up uniforms, I think is a, it's a, it's really nice for, for us. We'll discuss your new lineup in a few moments, uh, Reed. but I want to take a quick step back and ask you for your thoughts on the four seasons you spent with Mike McEwen, who was a good friend of yours. A lot was expected from your team. Uh, you had some really good moments over the last cycle, but I don't think you reached the heights that many had anticipated when the two of you got together. In hindsight, were you able to put a finger on why that is? Uh, yeah, like we've had discussions. Like obviously, uh, yeah, him and I are still very close friends and, you know, it's it was very amicable with the way we parted ways uh, with each other. Um, and, you know, with Colin as well, like I'd curled with Colin for eight years, but just sometimes you just need to have something new, something fresh. And I just think like uh, with Mike, Mike and I, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of, we shared a lot of things in common, but sometimes, you know, the way that we had approached the game is a little bit different. Um, and we have, we both have pretty strong personalities. So sometimes it just, it just doesn't work. There was times obviously when we were clicking and feeling it, but you know, sometimes we obviously weren't. So it's just, it was just kind of one of those things where it wasn't working as, as well as we hoped. And it made sense to, to go our own, our own way. Now, for this cycle, you've joined forces with uh, Jason Gunlickson, Derek Samogolski, and Connor Negevin. Can you take me into the process of building that team and what the two new additions bring to the table? It, it's it's interesting, right? Like, you know, once it was 
kind of understood that we we might be parting our own way then you start racking your brain about you know what do you want to what do you want to do what do you want to accomplish and and for me i i knew like i i personally wasn't done and and i knew that like derek has been a teammate of mine for a long time on and off i believe this is our 12th year curling together uh in on on numerous different teams uh you know and we've even had some breaks uh from when we curled together as well but like you know um, I had a few chats with him and, you know, he said he still wanted to uh, go at least for another four years. So, so then it was like, okay, well, we still, we still have, uh, we still have some left in the tank and we want to accomplish some great things. And, and the, one of the things that I noticed was um, when the pandemic hit and especially when like Colin was not able to travel to Manitoba to practice with us uh, with the border being closed, it really hit me that like we were lacking the ability to practice and practice as a whole. And, you know, the one thing when Colin was living in Winnipeg, uh, you know, we were, we were together a lot and at the rink together a lot. And I just found for me, uh, I personally love to have all the guys, uh, together in one area, working hard to build like that team dynamics and that chemistry, and some ga- some some teams are able to 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 do it from a distance. But I just know, knew for me, like I want to be around the guys more regularly. So finding a guy like Jason and Connor that are you know living in Winnipeg, living in Manitoba, it it made a lot of sense, especially because they share a lot of the same uh, goals and in approach to the game that uh, I know that Derek and I did, and it it just kind of came together from there. Now, your team's come charging out of the gates, having qualified in your first three events and winning in Fredericton. What have been the keys for the team's early success? Yeah, like, you know, we spent some time in Morris um, throwing rocks together, uh, getting uh, loosened up a little bit earlier than normal uh, this year. And I have to say that that's, that has helped. But, you know, one of the biggest things I think was actually, like, putting our backs against the wall in our first event like having to go through the seaside and then making a run uh, all the way to the final before losing to uh, the Schwaller team, very strong team, obviously uh, from Switzerland. I think that kind of, that, that alone gained some confidence with, for our team saying like, Hey, look, like, you know, we can compete with anyone. Uh, so, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, gaining confidence as you go. And, you know, we're, we're still, can be a lot better than what we were even in Fredericton. You know, there's still lots of shots being missed and left on the table that I know that we can, we can clean some things up and be even better. But uh, yeah, we've, we've gained some confidence over the last three weeks and, and I like our chances of doing well moving forward throughout the rest of the year. And teams usually follow one of two approaches in the first season of a new cycle, La Reed. Some of the veteran teams play a limited schedule to work their way into the cycle, while others play a lot of events early on to bond and to gel as a team, as well as to accumulate points. What is your schedule going to look like this season? Yeah, I would say like medium to heavy. Um, you know, we're playing we're playing a, a, a fairly uh, heavy schedule, but it's it's nothing crazy. Um, you know, not doing mixed doubles this year will allow me to have a little bit more time. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I think getting game reps in is never going to hurt any team. And um, yeah, but like this year alone, I, I know some of the veteran teams, like they're not worried about uh, carding and funding and whatnot, because they're already in the national team program. But for our team, uh, being on the outside, looking in, in that regard, uh, you know, we're wanting to play, and play well early to uh, earn the right to to be back in that national team program. 
And finally, Reed, since we last spoke, you became a dad for the first time. How is dad life treating you and how enjoyable has it been so far? Oh, it's been it's been amazing. It's been busy, I'll tell you that. But uh, I've absolutely loved it. Uh, Bo is happy and healthy. And uh, he's given me uh, quite the different perspective for when I go away. Um, and I, you know, I've been warned by, by fellow teammates that have had kids and said, look, like it's going to feel a lot different when you're going on the road and even some of the veteran former teammates that I've had have mentioned, mentioned things like that to me. And um, yeah, I just, I feel like I'm in, I'm in a different place when I'm out there on the ice. Uh, and I, and I got a lot that uh, I look forward to coming home. My final guest this week is Chelsea Carey, who provides a different perspective to the single elimination event in Fredericton. We talk about whether single elimination events are worth it for teams that might lose their first game. We also talk to her about her new lineup out of Manitoba, and we discuss her interest in broadcasting the sport she loves. So Chelsea, the reality is that while your team and others were in Fredericton competing last weekend, the eyes of most people on the East Coast were on Hurricane Fiona. How omnipresent was the storm at the venue in Fredericton? Were people talking about it? Were players given updates by organizers in case the storm turned and potentially made its way towards Fredericton? Yeah, I mean, when we played on Wednesday, it wasn't quite yet. Uh, We knew it was coming, but for sure it was being talked about. And, you know, there was a lot of East Coast teams there who had you know family in places or their houses or whatever back home that were potentially going to be affected so it was definitely a topic of conversation it was also a bit of a concern as far as flying out um depending where you were flying from and when and those kinds of things but uh it didn't really hit fredericton at all uh honestly so we sort of got away with it but uh yeah thoughts and thoughts and prayers to all the people i've seen some videos and they're terrifying now, usually the first game of an event is used to learn the ice, get comfortable with the environment, and although teams want to win, they typically don't have to win. Did the lose and your out aspect of the event in Fredericton cause your team to approach the game differently than you would have in a normal round-robin or triple knockout event? No, I don't think so. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you don't ever really want to lose the game if you can avoid it. So you come in with the same mindset but it's definitely some extra pressure it's it's there on your mind especially being so early in the season I know a couple of the girls didn't even have ice in between our we had played two events before that but uh, most of us couldn't practice really at all so that was definitely a little bit tough to have that where where you kind of want want a game or two when you haven't had that you don't have the reps yet in the season uh, and all new teams and everything but no I, I don't think it we necessarily approached it any differently now, I realize that it's perhaps difficult to separate the two a few days after getting knocked out in the first round, uh, Chelsea, but do you like the format that they use in Fredericton? Would you like to see more of it? Or do you think it might keep some teams from participating moving forward, considering it makes for a lot of travel for some teams to potentially play just one game, even though a first-round exit includes, I believe it was $5,000 to help offset as they traveled to the event? Uh, I hope they don't expand it. I think it's cool. Um, and I think it's good for the game, pushing boundaries and trying something new and all that. I think there's a place for it, but I think more than one a year would not be popular among the players. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, and it didn't quite cover for us anyway. I don't know if it did for other people. It didn't cover the expenses. So um, it's nice. It was, I mean, we wouldn't have gone if there wasn't that because we just, you just can't justify it. But uh but yeah, no, I I don't think I see it expanding. Um, I think it's a once a year thing, but I think it's kind of a neat once a year thing. I would like to see it not be so early in the season. I think it's just really tough to do a single elimination event when a lot of teams haven't played yet or haven't had practice ice or any of that kind of thing. But 
yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a place for it. I think it was cool that they did it, and I, and I could see it continuing, but I think it's a once-a-year thing. Now, moving on to the new season, uh, Chelsea, there were a lot of people keeping an eye on you during the free agent period that happens at the end of each Olympic cycle. Yet you decided to go back to Manitoba, bring Jolene Campbell with you, and add a new front end. Was the free agent market as active as many people think it was for a two-time Scotty's champion skip? And what were the key deciding factors for you in building your team the way you have? Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked playing with Joe. We talked about playing together for quite some time before it actually ended up happening last year, finally. And, uh, you know, when, when somebody of Liz's caliber is available, it's just, it's hard not to look at that. She's, she's such a great player. And I, I grew up with her. I've known her my whole life and, and also had the opportunity to be around her last year, uh, last two years, really, as um, team Tracy Fleury's fifth. So to see her as a teammate and who she is now and things. So that was just a, kind of a no-brainer when she became available um, to add her to the team. And then Rach, Rach just real, is a really hard worker and she just really wants to get better. And she's, she'll do anything that you ask of her to, in order to do that. She's, uh, she's young and really driven and, and excited about it. And that is nice too sometimes for people that are a little bit more seasoned uh, like Joe and myself to have somebody who's just really pumped still about in that still that kind of honeymoon phase with it, with women's curling, um, you know, that we have kind of lost because it's been so long. So yeah, it just, uh, there was, you know, lots of, lots of, potential options and and i think they all would have been good but uh this was where my gut said i should be earlier this season that uh, chelsea you announced that uh, jamie sinclair was going to join your team as a super spare this year is jamie available for all events this season can she play at provincials and the scotties if you get there has she been cleared by curling canada because obviously she'd been in the high performance program uh, in the u.s for so many seasons i'm just wondering if she's been cleared by curling canada to play this season if your team makes it to provincials and nationals that has not been cleared. Um, it's being discussed, but I doubt I doubt that it'll be this season. She was originally told she had two years uh, before she could play in playdowns again. Um, I don't know if that's going to stay the case or not. It's kind of, yeah, it's being discussed. Your team has already played in a few events early this season at Chelsea. Are you playing a full schedule this year, or are you easing your way into things the way some other teams do in the first year of a new cycle? Oh, no, we're playing a full schedule. A um, couple slams coming up here in October and a couple of smaller events as well. And then hopefully the slam in December um, and then provincials. Uh, I don't know if we'll have to play down to get into them. We might, it, which would be in December as well. And then, um, yeah, hopefully provincials in January and then go from there. Chelsea, over the past uh, couple of seasons, uh, you've been doing uh, some broadcasting on the side when you're not competing, and you really seem to enjoy it. Uh, it. I always loved it from the start. I always knew that that's what, you know, I would like to do long term. Um, if, if I could have my dream job, it would be being a sports broadcaster. So that, uh, yeah, that's something I've always known I would like to to do. And now with all the streaming services and stuff, I've had the chance I actually did um, Manitoba Provincial at 1.2 for Sportsnet when we were Team Canada. So I've had a few opportunities. I would love to have more opportunities to do that. And finally, Chelsea, what type of things can you pick up when you're calling a game from the broadcast booth that you might miss on the ice? And also, what is difficult to gauge when watching a game from the broadcast area compared to when you're at ice level? Well, no one's ever missed a shot from behind the glass. So, you know, that's, that's the positive part of it for sure. Uh, I think right now what I find probably the most interesting is watching what different teams are doing with sweeping um, because there's, that's still a moving target a little bit. Now there's, we're talking about knifing where that wasn't a thing before and, and how do you hold it straight and how do you sweep for line versus for weight and that kind of stuff. So 
that's interesting to to get to sit back and watch because sometimes as when you're playing you don't necessarily get a good beat on that other than the the one team that you're playing against so being able to sit around and watch different teams and to hear them talk about it because they had mics on um when i did it last weekend for curling live to hear them discuss it so that for me probably is the biggest thing uh right now just because it is still you know we all we all know how to throw a curling rock you're not you're probably not moving mountains there but the sweeping thing is still ever-changing and that does it for this week's episode of the From the Hack podcast. A big thank you to Carly Burgess, Reed Carruthers, and Chelsea Carey. Join us next week when Pierre Charette of the Grand Slam of Curling joins us to discuss the upcoming Grand Slam schedule and the first Slam event next week in North Bay, Ontario. Also, don't forget to check out our partners and friends in the Curling Podcast Network, the Two Girls in a Game podcast, and the Curling Legends podcast. I'm Frank Rock, and you're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership.